Understand that the best healer is not an osteopathic manual practitioner or an athletic therapist or a physiotherapist or a chiro or a massage therapist. It's your own body. Mm -hmm. But sometimes what happens is the body gets overwhelmed with so many different layers that it can't maintain its homeostasis. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of How Do You Feel? Happy holidays. I hope that everyone is having an awesome kickoff to their holiday season, that work is winding down, that you're thinking about traveling and getting together with friends and family, and you're looking forward to a little bit of a break. Personally, I'm so thankful for this time to get to see friends and family that we don't get to see enough since we live in Toronto and we don't have any immediate family living there. So I'm just feeling so full of gratitude right now It's helping me push past the hours and hours that I feel like I've driven in the car and the lost sleep just because I know that this is a special time of year and six months from now I'm going to be missing it and wishing that I had this kind of time to spend with friends and family. So however you spend your holidays, however you celebrate, I'm sending my best wishes out to you and your family and your loved ones and hoping that you have an awesome, rejuvenating holiday season. I'm hoping that you stay true to yourself and what matters to you and what keeps you feeling good. I hope that you keep moving. I hope that you keep hydrating, but I also hope that you embrace the season and that you don't feel any guilt about it because this is the time of year for that. Snuggle up by the fireplace with a hot chocolate, drink the eggnog. I made Caesars for everyone here this morning as we opened up gifts. So my hope for you is that you indulge in all of those awesome things because that's where the memories are made and that's the stuff that really matters when you look back on your holidays. I have an awesome interview to share with you guys this week on the podcast. I believe that treatment is so important to keep your body moving well and to keep you at your best in the gym. You really maximize your training when you find practitioners that understand you and your body and help you to move at your best. My guest on this podcast is one of those people that can really help you optimize your performance. He is an osteopath, which I don't think that people know enough about the practice of osteopathy, which is why I really wanted to get him on the podcast to speak because when I went to see Gus, he totally won me over. The way that he spoke about the body and how all of the systems integrate together just made so much sense to me. And I felt like even in a couple of visits, he had such a sense for how my body worked together. And he just did a couple of things and gave me a couple of tips that made such a massive difference. And it was really cool to be able to see those results so quickly. Obviously, that sold me right off the bat. Gus Candillis is a graduate from the University of Windsor as well as Indiana State University. In 2003, he completed his doctorate in osteopathy manual practice from the Canadian College of Osteopathy. 
He began as an athletic therapist, but he uses both of his skills in his everyday practice. He has a private practice, he works with athletes, and he's also a professor at York University. He's taught for over 20 years in the Athletic Therapy, Kinesiology, and Health Sciences Department. Gus has represented Canada in both national and international games and events as a therapist. He was the chief therapist at both the ISU Four Continents Figure Skating Championships in 2004, as well as the World Kickboxing Championships in 2005. Gus is currently the head therapist of the national kickboxing team and also works on staff with Toronto FC as an athletic therapist and osteopathic manual practitioner. He's someone with the best, warmest heart. He is always willing to share his knowledge, which is so extensive and impressive with anyone that he's either treating or in conversation with. I was so honored to get the chance to sit down with Gus, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation. I hope that as you listen, you really consider the value of practitioners and of going to see practitioners and that you think about going to see an osteopathic manual practitioner. All right, guys, without further ado, here is my conversation with Gus Candelis. Hi, Gus. Hi, Casey. How are you today? I'm great. Wait, it's my job to ask the questions. Don't <laughs> launch in asking questions already. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a therapist to me. Yeah. It comes naturally. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today. I'm also excited for me and the listeners to get to learn a little bit more about osteopathy because I think it's a practice that we don't know enough about. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Mm, thank you. I always say it's the best kept secret in sports medicine. Would you mind just starting off by telling us a little bit about what osteopathy is? Sure. Osteopathy is a natural, hands-on, holistic approach to healthcare. In Ontario, an osteopathic manual practitioner, uh, which is the term that we use, is different than an osteopath. Osteopath is the American term, and that's uh, a term that's held by the the, uh, OMA, the Ontario Medical Association as well, for American-trained physicians. So in Ontario, we're called osteopathic manual practitioners. So an osteopathic manual practitioner looks at the body and looks at cause. We try to avoid treating symptoms. Uh, So we try and find the cause. So we look at the different systems in the body. We look at the body muscularly, we look at the body fascially, mechanically, cranially, viscerally, and look at which system or systems are in dysfunction and try to release those in a priority to help the body auto-regulate. Part of the uh, education of of osteopathy deals with figuring out uh, these restrictions and prioritizing which layers to pull off first and second and third so that the body can try and treat itself. So the body would turn to its natural movement patterns. Cool. How do you kind of parse out which of those systems is causing something that's going wrong with the body? That's part of the the training of an osteopathic manual practitioner. We're, we're taught to look at what system is a priority, and we're taught what lesions or restrictions to treat first. Um, lesions without uh, respect to access, for instance, are non-physiological, so those are the ones we would prioritize. And then we look at lesions or restrictions with respect to access. I know it's, uh, it sounds like a lot of mumbo-jumbo, <laughs> but it's, it's what we're taught to look for. We look at what's the priority, what's the number one thing in the whole effect of a domino effect that'll kind of cause a chain reaction get other things to start to release first. Mm-hmm. 
I love that approach. I feel it's so important to look at the root cause of things that are going on because at the end of the day, Band-Aid treatments are only going to get you so far. Exactly. You know, the worst thing that could happen in my practice is have somebody come back for the same thing over and over and Mm -hmm. over again, especially without a mechanism. I'm very fortunate because I intermix osteopathy with athletic therapy. In fact, I became an osteopathic manual practitioner to make me a better athletic therapist. And my practice since the beginning has always been predominantly dealing with athletes my whole career. Cool. Why athletes? I guess because I was an athlete. Uh, I was always injured and I was always looking for solutions and uh, trying to figure out the best approach to my health care. And when I went to university, I decided it was athletes I wanted to do. I wanted to deal specifically with athletic therapy. I didn't want to deal with other disciplines, and athletic therapy is the direction I chose. Mm. Is there something about athletes that draws you to working with them? Is it like the type of person? I think it's the type of person. They are motivated to get better, which I which I like to deal with. Uh, it's a different skill set with athletes because you have to have an understanding not only of the athlete themselves, the, the what's involved in that specific sport. And I think that's a challenge. It's a challenge I've always enjoyed. Mm-hmm. What sports have you worked with? Um, I've worked with a, a number of different sports, including uh, basketball. I've worked with uh, figure skating. I've worked a lot with Combative Sports Canada, uh, kickboxing. I'm currently the sports medicine director for Karate Canada and, of course, TFC. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the tip of the iceberg. I've worked with uh, Taekwondo and a lot of other combative sports with uh, MMA, both professional and amateur. And I've dealt with soccer most of my career, including TFC. Are there specific things that you tend to see with certain sports? Like, do you see a lot of the same things coming up with the players that you're working with here at TFC? Yeah, there are patterns. The sport will dictate the type of injuries we see. The position played will dictate the types of injuries that we see. So with each sport, you'll see different types of uh, injuries that are that are common. But what I find is the injury cause, the root of the cause, isn't always the same. It's, it's different. That, that's the challenge, mm-hmm. to try and find out what the actual root cause is. Yeah, it's like quite a puzzle, I can imagine. Oh, it is. Yeah, that's part of what makes it fun, I bet. It is. Yeah. So one of the things that I love about osteopathy is that it sees the body as a whole. It looks at it as the whole being as one, um, instead of breaking it down into kind of the individual parts and what maybe is going wrong with a specific muscle. Why do you think it's important to view the body that way? Well, it's like the old song from when we were kids, the hip bone's connected to the knee bone and so on and so on. Everything in the body is interconnected. The best analogy I can give, it comes from sport. And this is something that athletic therapists have recognized for a long time. If you're looking at a rotator cuff problem, let's say in a baseball player, for instance, I was just watching the playoffs last night, um, you can't just look at the shoulder. You need to look at what the cause is. Is it technique locally? Is it throwing technique? Is it batting technique? Is it a muscle imbalance between the anterior and the posterior muscles? Is it movement restrictions in the pelvis, in the shoulder itself, in the low back, in the neck? These are all things we have to look at biomechanically to figure out what the cause is. Once you look at and you find the cause, then you can put together a treatment plan. Do you do that by watching people's movement patterns or by doing specific assessments on them? Or is it through feeling what the muscles feel like? How do you go about assessing someone? That's a really good question. It's a combination. I need to assess things mechanically. A lot of times I'll actually have them uh, show me the technique that they're, that's causing the problem. I try and break it down biomechanically that way. I work with some of the coaches and uh, I work with some of the, um, the trainers on the team as well that, uh, that might give me a little bit uh, additional insight. And then we assess as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination of all three. 
You were talking about how you like to treat the root cause and you don't like to see someone coming back for the same thing over and over again. I feel like often with chiropractors, that's what happens is you come back, you get adjusted, you go away, you come back, you get adjusted for the same thing. Like I have clients that have their monthly adjustment with their chiropractor. What is it about a chiropractor and an osteopath that are different? I can't really speak to a chiropractor because I, I'm not a chiropractor. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm aware of what they do. But even with my clients, a lot of times I'll see the same problems. Um, not as frequently, but it's because they have the same patterns. They have the same causes that may bring it on. And when you start to develop what's called the hypermobility, a segment gets loose mm -hmm. because of constant irritation, you may see the same patterns coming back. So we do treat sometimes, again, uh, the same problem, but not as frequently. And we always like to supplement, and I'm sure chiropractors do as well, with stretches and strengthening exercise mm -hmm. to try and minimize the effect of it coming back. Mm-hmm. When you see someone for the first time, what sorts of things are you looking for? I mean, obviously they come to you with a primary concern, but do you have sort of overall things that you're searching for when you look at them for the first time? Uh, yes, on the first visit, we take a complete uh, health history. We look at your current medical condition, which is, you know, what's your major concern? What brings you here today? We look at past treatments, past history, physician's comments, radiological reports. Uh, once we've got all this as a baseline, we conduct an overall assessment. We look at the problem locally and again, the rest of the body, looking for any other contributing factors. At the end, we look at these findings and we discuss with the patient a treatment plan and we explain as to why. I think education is one thing that is not done enough in any field uh, of rehabilitation. You need to explain to the patient why you're doing what you're doing, to give them an overall understanding of why we have to do part A before we do part B before we do part C and so on. Yeah, 100%. I love that. I feel that the, the best experiences I've had with any practitioner are when I feel like I understand where they're coming from, why they're doing what they're doing, and then I walk away with an understanding of, I guess, how to move forward. I feel like that's the most powerful experience. Exactly. If a patient buys into what you're doing and understands why you're doing it, they're more apt to relax and understand the process and go with the process. Mm -hmm. And I welcome questions. I always do. I mean, I'm very fortunate because I teach for a living, so I, I anticipate questions. I always uh, try and answer all the questions that the uh, patients may have. Yeah. I remember when I came and saw you, I just like kept asking questions. I and felt like great. I could have gone on and on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun. So you're currently working with TFC, brought on as an athletic therapist, but like you said, you decided to, um, what do you call your osteopath degree? Um, it's a degree in osteopathic, I'm an osteopathic manual practitioner. Right. So you decided to become an osteopathic manual practitioner because you felt like it would aid your athletic therapy. What do you feel like you bring to the players that's different than maybe other trainers that they have? My skill set is complementary to what we have here. The way I look at an athlete is a little bit different because I look at the athlete holistically, trying to figure out the different layers and priorities for these techniques, whether they're fascial, cranial, visceral, mechanical, muscular, as I mentioned before. So to give you an analogy, I know your, your listeners can't see that, but if I wrinkled my shirt, just took my shirt and twisted it, that might be where the problem is, where I'm twisting, but the layers coming away from where I'm twisting are things that we look at first. So if I adjust these layers first, it makes it easier when I get to the actual layer. 
Now, I'm very fortunate. I work with an amazing medical team here at uh, TFC, and a lot of the uh, athletic therapists and the massage therapists um, actually have taken courses in osteopathy, so they do have a little bit of an understanding of what I do, and we complement each other very well. So what I bring to the players is just a little bit of a different skill set that does complement what everybody else does. And when we look at the uh, when we look at a problem, there's something that might be, as we say, in my wheelhouse that I'll treat, and then the other therapists can carry on from there. Cool. Could you give us an example of what you're talking about with the wrinkle in the shirt and then maybe all of the layers that branch out from it? Can you think of an sure. example? If an athlete's taken a blow, for instance, uh, to a certain area, the fascia, and, and fascia covers everything in the body. If I took everything out of your body, bones, muscles, arteries, nerves, veins, uh, I would still have an outline of your body because of fascia. So if I twist one end of the fascia, it can cause a chain reaction everywhere else. So if we release the fascia first before we get to um, before we get to the mechanical problems, it prevents these things from coming back. And you know, when you talk about visceral manipulation, which is really the organs, you're not manipulating organs. You're manipulating. You're working on the fascia around the organs is, is one component of it. We're also working on vitality and mobility of these organs as well to try and get them in normal function. That's one thing that I find is very different about osteopathy than many other practices is you talk about the organs and how they're related to things that might be going on with the muscles. So is it because fascia connects all of the parts of us? It does. Fascia connects everything. Then you have the neurological components. Different levels of the spine will affect different organs. It will affect different uh, different areas of the body. So these are also things that we, we treat as well. Again, it's a priority. What, what do you find is the primary uh, component, what's the secondary, what's the tertiary. So once you find out what the problems are, you just release one and then the other, and hopefully you get a chain reaction that helps the body trying to get back into its natural state. Mm-hmm. So comprehensive. I feel like it must, with some people that you see, take quite a bit of time to sort of feel back these layers and figure out, okay, does this thing work? Not so much. Let's try something else. Do you ever have problems with buy-in when it does take time to kind of figure it out and you're not necessarily giving like a Oh, of course, absolutely. We live in a society where everybody wants an easy fix or, Mm -hmm. you know, I've gone to this person and that person and that person. I I sit down with them and I explain to them. and That's the best you can do. Once you outline what the issues are and you explain, yes, it will take some time. In some cases, I mean, I have patients that have had problems for years and they respond in three to four treatments or maybe even sooner. And when they start to see the benefit or the changes, they'll buy into it quicker. So, But other individuals who've had multiple lyric car accidents, sport injuries, fractures, they may even have pins and plates, you know, this this affects everything. So once they understand what you're trying to do, hopefully they'll buy in. But again, uh, everybody wants a quick fix and sometimes you don't see people beyond a few treatments and that happens in every profession. Yeah, that's so true. Are there any small little things that you do, like small little manipulations that oftentimes have, make a world of difference for people? like right away? Yeah, manipulation or adjustment uh, is a little bit different from what an osteopath does compared to other professions. In order to perform an osteopathic adjustment, which is a small velocity movement, um, we first have to clear any restrictions, whether they're fascial or muscular, Uh, That makes it easier to put it in place. We don't force the tissue. If you're forcing the tissue, it's going to rebound. So that's part of our philosophy that may differ differ from other philosophies. Uh, There are certain criteria for when we would make an adjustment. Uh, If an area is stuck and it doesn't move, that meets the criteria. One example would be a rib. 
if an athlete has a rib, ironically, um, we dealt with this a little bit earlier today. If an athlete has a rib that's not in its proper position, this can cause thoracic pain. It can cause difficulty in breathing. It can cause neck restrictions. It can cause back restrictions. But all in all, it's coming from the rib. So once you've assessed that, we can actually do an adjustment. And when we adjust the rib after we've cleared everything else around it, they find that they can breathe better, they can move better, and all of a sudden they find that their neck and their back restrictions are less and less and less. And of course, we supplement with stretches and, and heat and uh, a few other things as well. Right, so cool, because obviously then the the goal is to make sure that, that the rib doesn't pop back out Exactly, so that's where strengthening comes back in. That's mm-hmm. where we can do some taping and some preventive measures. We talk to the coaches, the coaches are incredibly understanding, maybe avoid certain things like diving for the ball, if it's a goaltender for instance, or mm-hmm. certain movements uh, for a day or so, just kind of let it uh, sit in. The way I describe it, if you glue something together, you hold it, it's gonna take. If you glue it, glue it and move it around, it won't take. So we need a little bit of a time period, which is difficult in sports. So that's why we turn to taping and bracing and things like that to try and keep it in place so it'll stay there. Yeah, for sure. It's a whole, it's a whole different thing when you're talking about sports and when performance is so important and when you know, you're in the middle of the playoffs, obviously there are other things to consider. So oh, definitely. It's probably an interesting balance between staying true to yourself as a practitioner and understanding the, the performance pressures of the sport. Oh, no question. That's It's definitely a different ball of wax, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. You've transitioned from your private practice to obviously working with TFC, but also teaching even more, which you talk about your teaching a decent amount, so I have a feeling that you really love it. What is it that you love about teaching? I've always told my students for years to find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I feel that way about the combinations of positions that I've always held. I've always had a position for teaching. I've just, I'm into my 31st year uh, at York University as a, as a professor. I've been in private practice until recently I sold my clinic. I still treat privately, but I'm just not uh, treating in my clinic. And I've been working with uh, different sports. I've had an active role, as I mentioned, with uh, Kickboxing Canada and the medical director for Karate Canada, as well as with TFC. And with the new uh, program, the athletic therapy curriculum that we've just revised at York University, I've taken more of an active teaching role, and this has given me the opportunity to give up my clinic. It's really fun because I'm working on curriculum, I'm affecting young minds. I love teaching because it's a passion uh, for me, and take pride in the accomplishment of my students. I challenge my students to be the best that they can be, and it's, it's amazing when I go to games and I see students, uh, past students who are now medical doctors or who are now physiotherapists or athletic therapists or who've done extremely well. I've never had the opportunity to have children, but for me, a lot of my former students are my children. I love that. How big are your classes? It uh, depends on the class. With the new uh, program, experiential-based learning, for the specifically with the athletic therapy program, the classes uh, right now are um, a smaller, 24, which is great because we can spend the time that we need with students. I do teach in the kinesiology um, program as well, and I've had classes as large as 90 and uh, as small as uh, 40. So they vary in size. And I usually teach the upper classes, the third year and the fourth year, that are open to kinesiology students. These are all courses on, uh, on injuries. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. Do you consider yourself a lifelong learner? I do. I find the more I, the more I learn, the more I realize we don't know. It's a never-ending <laughs> process. I'm always learning something yeah. every day, either from another practitioner or from the athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yes. It's a lifelong discipline. Yeah, totally. That's so funny, isn't it? There's this, there's this curve that happens. You start off in something, and you you realize that you know nothing, but then you learn what you think is a lot, and then you think you know everything, and then 
fast forward a year and you realize, oh, you're, you're just at the tip of the iceberg. Ex- you have no exactly, idea, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it's an ongoing process. It always will be. Mm-hmm. And only a fool thinks they know everything. Mm-hmm. Do you use any other modes of treatment in your practice? I've heard about osteopaths using laser, ultrasound, like some of these other techniques. Do you employ those in your own practice? I do. I use a variety of therapeutic modalities, um, ultrasound, laser. Um, for a while, I did acupuncture um, because they help with the healing process, no matter what we do. For instance, I may treat the cause of a tendonitis and uh, I may line things up better, but I feel that something like laser or therapeutic ultrasound is gonna help with that process as well. So there are a lot of different techniques uh, that I use and a lot and a lot of different therapeutic modalities that I mm-hmm. use along with that. And of course, exercise. Exercise is key. Once you correct something, you need the, the flexibility, you need the strength, and you correct the muscle imbalances to try and get that athlete to close to their optimal level. Mm-hmm. With something like laser, can you tell me generally how that works? So what does it help with? Uh, laser will help predominantly with the healing process. There's a number of different. Uh, there's a lot of different research behind what it does, um, but it's right down to the cellular level. And he- therapeutic laser, low frequency laser, will help with inflammation among other things. It helps with reorganizing collagen. There's a there's a whole list you can give, but it's something that supplements and facilitates the healing process, as does therapeutic ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Cool. So they help as well. Do you ever work with? trainers or anyone that like when you prescribe exercises for someone as an osteopath how do you know if they're doing them or not if your client is actually doing them well what I like to do is actually talk to the if they're working with a trainer outside of TFC obviously we we have our own people here Mm -hmm. who are experts in the field but I'm working with somebody outside of TFC I usually have a relationship with the trainers they are incredible from the perspective where they want to learn as well Mm -hmm. so a lot of times I'll actually bring the trainers into my clinic and we'll discuss the patient I'll get them to understand as well and then we talk about strengthening uh, if that's an issue for instance if somebody has a pelvic dysfunction and it's been there for a while we finally correct it we might find like the gluteus medius muscle is just completely shut down it's not working so trainers this is their area of expertise so they'll know the exercises what to do but I feel that if I talk to the trainers either on the phone or in person that way we have a connection and we're both part of the same team to get that individual back to normal because it's incredible how many times trainers will actually refer to us um, and when I say us I don't just mean osteopathic manual practitioners it could be a physio or an athletic therapist or, uh, or a chiropractor or whatever the case might be it's amazing how many times we'll get those referrals as almost what can I do to help Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's what we need to do to open up certain areas that that they can help at that point cool some of the most informative experiences that I've had I guess I've learned the most about my clients bodies when I've had the chance to speak to their whether it's a massage therapist or an athletic therapist or a physio or something about my clients I think it's such a good message for trainers the importance of creating a network of people that you trust and that you have open communication with because None of us knows everything. No, so exactly. Leveraging our expertise together to help a client really it makes a massive difference. Oh, definitely. So much. It's got to be a team. It's mm-hmm. got to be a team approach, which includes a number of different things. Every situation is obviously different, but you know, massage, uh, the osteopathic manual practitioner, or the physiotherapist, or the chiro, or the athletic therapist, or whoever that component might be, the trainers, all that together. I, I believe that your husband Eric actually talked about this on his. 
podcast where he has a team of individuals that look at it from different approach. I think the, the individual who's, um, who has a condition has to figure out what part of that team works best for him. But they should work together, and I think that's very important. That's why I think communication and obviously talking about the, the problem and having them understand and buy in and get their feedback is, is great. Yeah, there is also an element of ownership on the client then in that way and where they can take ownership over what's going on and relay the correct information to all of the parties. Oh, definitely. There's no question about Mm -hmm. that. I agree with that 100%. Mm -hmm. Speaking with Eric about Eric, you've been working with him for a little while now. He's a big fan of what you do. What have you been working on with him lately? Well, I can't speak specifically about Eric, and as he's a patient, there is patient confidentiality. But I will say that he is an athlete who knows his body and uh, will explain almost exactly what he feels is the issue when he comes to see me. I find that amazing. Um, not all athletes have that. People think, well, athletes really know their bodies? Not necessarily. Eric is one of those gifted people. He knows exactly what's going on. He doesn't know specifically what's going on, but he can say that I have something that's not right here or I have something that's not right there. Eric was not a strong believer in osteopathy when I first started uh, treating him. He was, uh, I think, very frustrated with a lot of the problems he was having. He wasn't uh, getting anywhere, and uh, this kind of came out when, um, when I first saw him. But when I explained to him, and uh, he understood of what we were trying to do and how we were going to do it, he started to buy in, and uh, as the expression says, the proof is in the pudding, because after we treated Eric a few times, he started to respond to get better mobility. And so his next question is, where do we go from here? What can we do from here? And that's when I said, okay, at this point, I think we need to bring in the strength and conditioning because um, you've been at a certain point that we need to build a little bit beyond that. So personal training, and he had a good connection with yourself and a few others. Sarek was very interesting when I saw him as a patient, and uh, he was probably one of the individuals I really had to try and convince as to what we're trying to do. But uh, again, he bought into it, and it's, uh, it's a pleasure dealing with him. That's cool. I'm glad he stuck with it. He can be skeptical of things at first. But yeah, most people can, and yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah. I mean, I was as well. I mean, when I was first exposed to something about osteopathy, my first question was, coming from a science background, well, where's the proof? Mm-hmm. I need to see the data. I need to see the research. And it was there when I started looking at it. And one thing I didn't realize when I was an athletic therapist, I started taking all these extra courses. And what I never realized, a lot of these courses I took were osteopathic in nature. So then I started looking at what is osteopathy and what's the philosophy behind osteopathy. It made sense because you can't look at an injury just by itself. You have to look at all the effects of the body. And I mean, that was very similar to what we do as athletic therapists. The analogy I gave, you can't just look at a rotator cuff injury in a baseball player just by looking at the shoulder. You have to look at all the other contributing factors and osteopathy is like that as well, except you're not just looking at a few little things. You're looking at the body holistically. You're looking at all the different systems in the body that can cause the dysfunction. It's interesting that you were so naturally drawn to osteopathy. You know, that that the principles spoke to you before you even knew the name of it. It did. It did. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the transition from athletic therapy to osteopathy because it's the same thing. We look at the body in a lot of ways differently, but it's a little different skill set. So what I would look at with athletic therapy might be a little bit different than what I would look at osteopathically. But together, for me, it's, it's a great combination. It really is. Where do you go from here? 
where do I go from here? I live life one day at a time, but I, <laughs> but I definitely want to take many, many more courses. An area that uh, I really enjoy is concussion. That's an area that I love teaching. It's an area that I've had a lot of experience with and research with. And uh, so I think a lot more courses in osteopathy, a lot more courses in athletic therapy. I do a lot of on-field as well, outside mm-hmm. of TFC. Mm-hmm. And as we said, you know, you never, uh, you never stop learning. Definitely, I feel that. What sets the best practitioners apart from other ones? It's funny you should say that. First of all, understand that the best healer is not an osteopathic manual practitioner or an athletic therapist or a physiotherapist or a chiro or a massage therapist. It's your own body. Mm -hmm. But sometimes what happens is the body gets overwhelmed with so many different layers that it can't maintain its homeostasis. So what a good practitioner will do in any discipline is try and pull off these layers to try and get the body to auto-regulate. So I think the individuals who excel, and that can be in any field, because I've met some amazing practitioners in every field, I think the, the practitioners who excel are the ones that have a little bit of an insight. They look at the body and because of experience or because of, of what they see, it's just natural for them. It's not natural for everybody because some people do A, then B, and then C, and uh, others just kind of, it's intuitive. Mm-hmm. And you can't really teach that. So I think that's in one way what sets uh, some people off uh, apart from somebody else. Yeah, totally. There's an art to the whole thing. There is. There's no question about that. Yeah, it's an interesting mix of science and art. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I've seen our massage therapist here with TFC, Marcello, integrate so many different techniques. And I'm watching him. He's integrating massage and myofascial release. I don't think he even realizes what he's doing. But he's an artist at work. And he's incredible at what he does. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. The only thing I have for you is a quick fire round to kind of finish things off. So these are just quick questions, and I need quick answers on them. Okay. Done. Cool. The first one is, what's your favorite sport? Basketball. Mm-hmm. Love that. Eric would approve. Yes, he would. We talk basketball every chance we get. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you have any hobbies? Um, travel. I like to travel. Where'd you go to most recently? Um, it's been a while, but the most recent trip would have been um, with Karate Canada to, uh, South, to South America. Oh, cool. Yeah. Tacos or burgers? Uh, definitely uh, burgers. Ah, no hesitation. No, no, definitely burgers. Where's the best burger? Always looking for a good burger. I'm still looking for the best burger. Always? Yes, always looking for a good burger. So I'm open to any suggestions. Okay, cool. <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Sport movie? Has to be Hoosiers. Hmm, love that. Yeah. All right, my final question. Sure. And this is one that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning. I guess I've been asked many times before what I like most, teaching, treating, being on the field. I can honestly say that after all these years in practice, I still can't differentiate and feel that it's a combination of all three that makes me get up in the morning and makes me excited to get up in the morning. I look at my schedule, see what I have to look forward to, and that's what excites me for that day. I love that. It's the variety of doing all the different things you love. It is. I still don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up, but hey, I'm loving the journey. If people are interested in learning more about osteopathy or interested in seeing what courses you're teaching or maybe seeing you privately, 
how should they do that? How would they get in contact? Uh, privately is very difficult now because with teaching and with TFC, I don't really see any new patients at this point. I'm just seeing a few patients in, uh, in a location where I live. But osteopathy, there are a number of different websites for osteopathy Ontario. And uh, York University uh, Athletic Therapy, if you um, Google York University Athletic Therapy, you'll find the information about the athletic therapy program. And uh, Osteopathy Ontario um, does have a website. It escapes me right now. I wasn't anticipating this question. That's all right. I, we'll link it I believe it's www.osteopathyontario.org.org. I think that's the website. That tells a little bit cool. about what osteopathy is and, and what it can do for you and awesome. everything along those lines. Awesome. Thanks so much, Gus. Oh, Casey, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. This is a big honor. Of course. This was great. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of How Do You Feel? Remember, we release a new episode every Monday morning, so make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. If there's something specific that you're interested in hearing about on How Do You Feel, please shoot me a message. You can DM me on Instagram at CaseyMZav, and I would love to help you learn because I would love to help you learn about things that you guys care about. I love hearing from the listeners of the show. Okay, everybody. Happy holidays again. I hope that you have an awesome holiday season. And as always, make sure that you get out there and do something that makes you feel good today. 